Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Get your Bibles out, turn to Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61. We're in a series called Joy. It's always interesting to me. Every time like I feel the Lord's impressed something on my heart, I feel like that's where the enemy attacks, right, and stuff. So, um, you know, if we're going to teach on, on marriage, then, you know, my wife and I don't talk to each other, you know, or whatever. We're going to teach on healing, then all of a sudden it's like, what happened, and all that kind of stuff. So we, I felt led to teach this message on joy, this series on joy. Actually, kind of in August, no one, no one was heading it here this way, and joy's been tested. Has your joy been tested this week? All, all week long, the enemy's just going to come. And so, so it just makes me see how important this topic is. But also, I love that song, This Is How We Fight Our Battles, amen? We just, we praise our way through, we worship our way through, we give thanksgiving all the way through, amen? Because we know the battle's already been won by God, so I love that song today. Um, so really, this message uh, is not... When I'm teaching on joy, and you'll see what I mean when I, when I get into the message today, you would think it's like this joy to the world, good tidings of great, great joy, it's Christmas time, jingle bells, all this. It's not really that message today, but I think it's extremely important. Um, when you think you come at Christmas time to hear a message on joy, there's going to be a, a lot of shouting and celebrating and, and not so much, but I really feel that if we'll understand today's message and get it settled in our heart and then walk it out, it really is the key for a lot of us to experiencing the joy that God has. Uh, last week, we kicked it off with a foundational message of joy, um, where's our source or who's our source. And so I would encourage you to go back and watch that. If you were here, watch it again. If you weren't here, make sure you grab a hold of that one. And so today I want to just let you know that really joy is a choice. It's your choice. You choose. It's not determined by the world. It's not determined by your boss. It's not determined by your spouse, by your kids, by your finances, by your doctor's report. It is a choice you make and it's a choice you make daily. And so I need you to know that. And we'll walk out this, this pathway to joy, if, you, if, if we will, if we could say it that way. And so I'm going to start reading in Isaiah 61 today. Isaiah 61 is a great passage of scripture. It's a prophecy. The prophet Isaiah prophesied hundreds of years before Jesus was on the planet, this passage and about Jesus. So we know it's about Jesus because then if you go to the New Testament, there's a passage where Jesus walks into the temple. He opens up the scroll. He reads this passage, if you will, of these writings. And the Bible says, today, this is fulfilled in me. And he sits down. So this is speaking about Jesus from the prophet Isaiah. Let's start there. Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 4. Here's what it says. New King James, it says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. The good news. The good news is you don't have to pay for your sins. Amen. That's good news. Amen. God's paid for him. He's already paid for him. Good tidings to the poor. He sent me to the heal the brokenhearted, all those who are struggling, to proclaim liberty to the captives, those who feel like they're in bondage, those who feel uh, like they're burdened by habits or addictions or emotions. And the opening of the prison to those who are bound goes on to say, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. Now when it says vengeance right there, it's not towards you or towards people, it's towards the devil. He's meaning towards the, aren't you glad God's taking vengeance? You don't have to, God's taking care of them. Come on somebody. And the day of the vengeance of our God and to comfort all who mourn. Verse three, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes. I love this phrase, we're gonna be here kinda. The oil of joy for mourning 
and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of life. I mean, I'm sorry, I don't know where that came from. Trees of righteousness. How did I get that mixed up? Uh, the, thank you. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified and they shall rebuild. This is, here's the result of all this. Beauty from ashes, oil of joy from mourning, garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Then they shall rebuild the old ruins. Then they shall raise up former desolations. Then they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. I love that passage of scripture speaking of Jesus. Isaiah 61 verse three is really rare. I want to launch out of today. And so if you guys will go back to that on the screen, because there's a particular phrase here, actually two, we'll tackle one next week. Particular phrase I want us to look at here. Notice where it says, uh, to give them beauty for ashes. Then it says this, the oil of joy for mourning and then the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. We're gonna talk about garment of praise next week in relation to joy. And let me just say this, when it says garment of praise, it's something that you put on. Like this morning when you went and walked into your closet or maybe last night and you were looking at everything, you had to determine what you were gonna put on unless you're Iron Man and you just stand there right and just all <laughs> flies on you. But listen, for everybody else, you walk in and decide what you're gonna put on. It's a choice. And we're gonna tackle that one or look at that one. Not tackle, it's gonna be a lot of fun next week. So make sure you're here. We're gonna talk about the garment of praise. But listen to what it says. It says the oil of joy for mourning. For every place where I'm depressed, every place where I'm not doing well, there's the oil of joy. And then it says the garment of praise. Notice it said for the spirit of heaviness. Can I tell you this way? Heaviness is a spiritual thing. It's not just the circumstances that are happening. We live in a world, there's a lot going on in our world today. And can I just say, there's a, heavy, there's a spirit of heaviness across the land, just to be honest with you. I mean, how do I know that? Well, I watched the news yesterday, by the way, <laughs> which is not a good thing. And just understand, it's like the spirit of, there's darkness on the land. And so that's why you see things happening like the tragic happenings in Pensacola, the Naval Air Station. There's darkness in the land. There's a spirit of heaviness. There's, there's an epidemic. There's a crisis of mourning. And that's why we see things like racism and hatred. And it's not just a political thing or economic thing. There's a spirit behind it. Come on, somebody. There's a spirit behind it. Now, we know we need to address those things naturally. But hey, let's make no mistake about it, church. Let's make sure we're doing and attacking it spiritually as well. Amen? That's why we put on a garment of praise. That's why we embrace the oil of joy of mourning, which is like a balm or a, a salve that, that soothes those places that are depressed or worry or anxiety or hurt and pain. And so there's a spirit of heaviness the devil's trying to destroy our lives. And so Jesus is going to give you an oil of joy, a, 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 something to soothe and cover the areas that are hurting for anxiety and depression, worry and pain. And, and again, I just think that it's important for us, especially today, because we live in a world that I think there's a mourning crisis where people are, you know, people are more depressed than ever. If you read the statistics, it's depressing. I mean, not to be funny, but it is. And, and not to belittle anybody going through those, those are real things. Those are real emotions and real feelings. And there's a lot of anxiety and panic attacks. And there's a, a lot of hurt and, and there's a lot of uh, medica medications on the rise. And I'm not against that by any means. Please understand that. I, I mean, God works in the natural and the supernatural. But there's also a medication beyond just medication, right? We medicate other ways. We, we, we medicate ourselves by binge eating or binge drinking or binge watching or, or by drugs or Wrong, inappropriate relationships, right? I mean, we see all that. There's, that's all, there's a spiritual happening here. So that's why I believe this message today is so important when it comes to the topic of joy and what God always intended for you and I. Because understand, Jesus comes to bring an oil of joy and a garment of praise, amen? But you choose that. You choose to put it on. You choose to rub it on or put it on. 
And he comes, and that tells me, despite the circumstances, you can put on a garment of praise in the midst of terrible things. You can anoint yourself, if you will, with the oil of joy in the midst of difficult circumstances. You can have joy even when things around you are not joyful. So there's some choices that we need to make uh, for it to happen uh, in our life. So choosing joy. An example of this is scripture. One of my favorite heroes of the Bible is the Apostle Paul. Uh, He wrote two-thirds roughly, almost over half of the New Testament. And, and it's interesting to me, he wrote so many positive things. In fact, that there's somebody that we, we live teachings, live by the teachings of, it's Paul. And, and, but yet there's nobody in the Bible that I've seen hardly that's faced any more difficult days of life. I mean, Jesus at the end of his life for sure, but Paul lived a difficult life and he had many negative things happening, but yet his writings seemed to be always so positive. And especially the, the writings that he wrote from prison, they're called the the, the, the prison epistles. He wrote letters while he was in jail, in a Roman jail. He even wrote the, the letter uh, to the church in Philippi or, or Philippians, which is basically a book on joy. He wrote it while he was in prison, chained to a jailer in a dark, terrible place. And, and I love that about him. And he even devoted a whole chapter to all the horrible things that happened. I don't know if you could write a whole chapter of the Bible about that, about your life, but he did. And so he took a whole chapter in 1 Corinthians and listed his bad days. Five times I received 39 lashes, he said. Now, Jesus received 39 lashes once. Paul received it five times. I said, three times I was beaten with rods and I was shipwrecked for 36 hours. I, I bobbed up and down in the sea at night, wondering, worried, I got the sharks or whatever. I finally get to the shore. I'm cold. I build a fire. A snake bites me. I was stoned once to where somebody would say, well, at least he got some relief there. <laughs> that's, that's the recreational kind. He wasn't in Colorado. He was out in the Mediterranean. I'm, I'm just, okay. If you're from Colorado, please don't email me. Okay. Bad joke. Okay. All right. Talking about joy. Okay. Paul had a rough life, but all his writings were so positive. And he teaches us how that is. He didn't, he had a hard life, but he, he teaches us that you can choose joy. You can choose that in your life. In fact, let's take a look at 2 Corinthians 6.10. Here's what he said, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. And look at the word yet. Sorrowful, but I chose to always rejoice. Poor yet, but I chose to make many people rich. Having nothing and yet I choose to possess everything, if you will. It's an attitude he's talking of. He's going to teach us how to choose joy. I've got reasons to be sorrow, yet or but I'm rejoicing. It's an attitude. So what do you do with a person that has an attitude like that? Nothing. You can't. In fact, when you read the writings of the Apostle Paul, one of his big struggles was to die, you know, to, to live as Christ, to die as gain. It was like, I'm wrestling with, you can see Paul in his writings, wrestling with, I, I want to go to heaven, but I'm still here on the earth. I, I don't know what to do. And then they would say, if you keep preaching the gospel, we're going to throw you in prison. And Paul's like, would you please? Because I got a couple more books I need to write. I really didn't finish up Ephesians yet. I need to finish it. Uh, we, you, okay, mister, one more time and you're going to prison. Please, can you? Because I, I almost got that jailer saved and there's a couple of the prisoners I've been ministering to there. And, okay, well then we're going to cut your head off. Could you, would you? Because I don't know, should I live? Should I go to heaven? I'm not really sure. Could you decide for me? What do you do with somebody who chooses that all the time? Nothing. The world can't do anything. The devil can't do anything to somebody who's daily, daily choosing joy despite their circumstances. I love that about Paul. It's an attitude. God wants you to have great joy regardless of your circumstances. But now for a lot of people, the reason why they don't have much joy is because we're carrying too much other stuff around. 
I mean, let's just be honest, we're carrying things around. We don't have room for joy. We can't carry joy because we're carrying our sin, because we're carrying our shame, because we're carrying guilt. And this is where it seems a little hard. And it's like, well, this is Christmas, man, joy to the world. Yeah, but this is where, this is how we deal with things in our life that are impeding or hindering our joy. And some of us are walking around trying to find joy, chasing after perhaps, thinking the season that we're in is going to bring it. And it's not because you have the weight of so many other things in your life that you have to release first. You're just carrying too much other stuff around. And so there's the shame going on the inside of us and there's this guilt going on the inside of us and you're feeling like you're trying to hide. Come on, let's just be honest. You're feeling like you're trying to hide things. You're trying to conceal things. You're trying to make sure. How can you, how can you have joy when you're trying to make sure your boss doesn't find out what's been going on? How do you have joy when you're trying to make sure your spouse doesn't know what's going on? How do you have joy when, you, when you're feeling guilty about something you did or, or choices you made? You don't want your friends to find out the secret things in life. You don't want your family. How do you have joy when you carry that around all the time? You can't. And that's exactly what the devil wants to happen. If he can't keep you from getting saved, he wants to keep you from having any joy because Nehemiah says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And here's how we know the devil's doing that because John 10, 10, we all know that. The Bible says the devil uh, keeps you from experiencing what God has for you. Look what it says. The thief comes. He's a thief. He's a thief. He comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus came. I've come that you may have life fullness of joy, have it to the full, complete joy, fullness of joy. Now listen, we can be saved and in church all the time and serving and giving and raising our hands and worship and, and jumping around and clapping in praise and amen in the preacher, which we encourage here and still, and still be, and still be weighed down by our sin or our bad choices. We could still do that. In fact, the reality is it's hard work to live that way. It's hard work to carry that, to be weighed down by that. And so when you aren't carrying that around, I mean, it just makes sense, right? When you aren't carrying that around, you feel full of the joy that God has for you. So the enemy comes to try and take it away. So let me talk about a couple things. Sin in our life. Sin does three things in our life, at least three things more. These three things I want to talk about. Here's what it does. Number one, most obvious, sin steals our joy. Sin steals our joy. How do you have a series on joy with not dealing with what will steal it from you or hinder you from it? So we learn how to deal with it. Therefore, we don't have to carry that. We can instead be full of the joy of the Lord. Sin steals our joy. It literally saps the joy out of us. And I'm not, I'm not talking... Let me say it this way. It's kind of funny. I'm not talking about those moments. that You can still be in sin and laugh for a moment and have fun. Come on, how many of you ever, how many of you ever sinned and had fun sinning? Okay, the rest of you not raising your hands, you obviously didn't do it right. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to tell. I mean, honestly, that's what, right? So what the Bible says, right? Pleasing for a moment, right? My flesh wanted to do this. I pleased my flesh. And it was fun for a moment, but the cost was crazy, right? Sin will take you further than you ever wanted to go and it'll cost you more than you ever wanted to pay. And so there's a moment that, so we're not talking about carrying this stuff and having a moment of laughter or fun, if you will. We're talking about what goes on in the inside of you. We're talking about how to deal with that internally, what happens on the inside. And so Psalms 32, one through five, let's take a look real quick. Here's what it says. Blessed, this word blessed, blessed or blessed, is not talking about, you know how you ask someone, it's like, hey man, how you doing? It's like, I'm blessed. Look, I, 
man, it's like, man, I like your car. Man, I like, yeah, I'm blessed. Or man, I like your house. Yeah, we're super blessed. Or yeah, I like the church. Yeah, we're really blessed. It's not talking about what you have. It's talking about happiness. When you go back to the original language here, it's Hebrew in the Old Testament. And blessed means happiness. Or happy is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered, or God has taken care of them. Verse two says this, blessed or happy is the one, is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Let me talk, stop for a second. Happy is the one where there is no deceit. Or let me say it this way, when you're not hiding anything. Happy is the one who's not hiding stuff. They're not worried about getting caught. Or unhappy is the person hiding stuff. We say it that way. Verse three, when I kept silent, or when I thought I could deal with it myself, when I thought I could keep it to myself and engage nobody else, not even God, when I kept silent, the result was my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. I felt the depression. I felt the fear. I felt the worry. I felt the anxiety. I could smile on the outside and be miserable on the inside. Verse four says, for day and night, your hand was heavy on me. I felt it. My strength was sapped. The result was I had no strength, right? Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. I felt like my whole strength was taken away. Verse five says, but then, but then I decided I've had enough. I'm done. I don't want to live that way anymore. So then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Isn't God a good God? He forgives the guilt of our sin. I love that. It goes on to say this in verse 10. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the ones who trust him. It may look like I'm surrounded but I'm surrounded by your unfailing love, God. Come on, somebody. You're surrounding what's surrounding me. Rejoice. And it says, it says, celebrate. Have a good time. Be happy then. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you upright in heart. You can sing because you have nothing to hide. You can sing because you're free from all that. You can sing because you've taken that to the Lord and you've unloaded all that. And now you're not carrying that weight anymore. Now. You can experience the joy of the Lord. So. Yes. Sin kills your life. It steals your joy and kills your life. And I don't, I don't mean physically taking it can lead to that for sure. But talking about the life that you live, which means everybody around you, it doesn't just affect you, but it affects others around you. And it'll be your job. It'll affect, sin will affect your job and it'll affect school and friends and marriage and and it's that thing that you've done or that has happened that you don't want anyone to find out. And it controls you and controls who you're around and where you go. Have you ever, I, no, no reason, have you ever been there? It's like, you know you've been doing things and it affects like you can't even look them in the eye anymore. You don't even want to be around that person. Why? Because you feel so guilty and, and I, I feel so full of shame. It affects your life. I, I don't even want to go around them and it will control you. It will kill your life. I, I was trying to think of how to illustri illustrate this and... There's a, a lot of things in my own life. I'll, I'll talk about me. I remember on my, I call it my freedom tour after I graduated high school. Free 18, I can go do what I want. And uh, seven colleges on my freedom tour, which by the way is a perfect number in the Bible. And uh, 
Right, Mom? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so I went, and one stop on my Freedom Tour was in Oklahoma, and uh, I was going to college up there, and I was working. And uh, some buddies of mine, we went to this place we shouldn't have been. We had no business being there doing things we never should have done, but we went. And all of a sudden, I was talking to a friend of mine. My other friend was over here. And all of a sudden, somehow, a fight broke out where, where he wasn't at, and, then it, and it just brought, it drew everybody in. There's this huge brawl in this place. We never should have been doing things we never should have been doing. And next thing I know, there's this huge fight, and then I'm standing out, leaning up against the police car and they got my ID and all I could think of was not like I hurt so bad right now all I could think of was like I hope my dad doesn't find out I hope my dad doesn't find out oh God forgive me of anything everything I've ever done I will serve you all the days of my life right Right? oh I'm sorry Lord please forgive me right it's this moment of I was consumed by what I thought everybody else would think. And all of a sudden, I have to go to work the next day and they send me home because my eyes swollen shut. It's, I mean, so, took some hits right there. I kept beating somebody's fist with my head, hoping I'd break their hand, I guess. I'm not sure what happened. So my eye, they sent me home and I was embarrassed at work. I didn't want to go back to work after that. I, I didn't go to school the next couple days because I was embarrassed and I didn't want to talk to anybody. And two weeks from that moment, I was coming home for spring break. And I was just praying it would be healed before I got home. You know, I was like, don't let there be any sign and the day before I come home, my dad calls me on the phone. He says, son, I need to talk to you when you get home. And he hangs up. I'm like, what? What do you mean talk to me? Hey, dad, where are you? Dad, what do you mean? Why? You know how, you're right. So that's what happens. You're so guilty. Why? What's going on? It maybe it's nothing, but maybe it's something. And can I tell you, that was the worst spring break I ever had. It was miserable. I didn't enjoy a moment of it. My dad didn't say anything till like the last day. He let me suffer the whole spring break. I don't want to go anywhere. I was afraid. I not what's happening. Finally, my sister, my sister finally told me like the last day, she's like, he wants to talk to you about that fight and stuff you got. And I'm like, how did he know? And can I tell you, teenagers, your parents will find out. Right? And can I tell you, parents, you better connect with the Holy Spirit. All right? It's the best parenting advice I can give you right now. Well, through a story longer than I can tell you, my dad knew. I'm in up there in Oklahoma. He's here. And man, God. Anyway, so I was like, so, but I, but can I just say that whole moment was, was really important for me because that, those two weeks after that moment, I just felt so guilty. I felt like, I felt ashamed in a sense. I felt I let people down. I was embarrassed to talk. Can I tell you, I, I didn't do that ever again. And it really helped me see some things. And so there's a moment there, but it's like in that moment, it affects your life. Sin affects your life and it can, it, it can control you. And so if you keep your sin, it will control you if you don't learn to release that. I remember that vividly and I was trying to deflect. I'm like, I'm so terrible. I'm like, deflect off of me. And the whole time my dad's like talking to me about what happened and, you know, you know, giving me what I needed to get or whatever. And I kept saying when he's done, dad, I'm so sorry. I love you so much. Do you know what Jeff did? <laughs> we could talk about him. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, all right. Look at Psalm 73. Psalm 73, 18 says this. Surely you place them on, a, on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin how suddenly they're destroyed and completely swept away by terrors. That's how I felt. Now, God doesn't do that to you, but God will use the moment to teach you something so you don't turn back to that again. God will use that to help you come out of that. He doesn't put it on you, but he'll help you to get out and not go there again. And that's what I felt. That's what sin did. There was no joy. I was consumed by the terrors and I, and I felt like everything was going wrong and living that way. It's like, and it's exactly that way. It's like you're on the slippery slope and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Know this, God's trying to get your attention, but the ground you're on is becoming slippery and it's time to get rid of that and not carry it any longer. 
Let me give you the last point here on this. Sin destroys our identity. Sin destroys our identity. It will destroy your identity. David knows this well in the psalmist. King David wrote this, Psalms 38, 4. He wrote this way. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. Verse 6. I am bowed down and brought, listen to this, I am bowed down and brought very low all day long I go about mourning. You know what David's saying? I'm not even the person I was before. I'm not this bowed down lowly guy. It could be be inwardly. He goes, but look what this has turned me into. Look what this has done to me. For some people, you're living a version of yourself that's different than the one God sees in you because we haven't learned how to release that yet. And so the longer we don't deal with it or don't deal with it properly, we take on the identity of that. And we're living lives that God never intended. That's not who he's created us to be. And we know that. And the longer we're in that or we carry that or we hold on to that, the more we feel like we become that. I mean, have you ever heard this? And we talk to people all the time. It's like about something. Yeah, my, well, my granddad was an alcoholic. My dad was an alcoholic. I guess I'm just an alcoholic, right? Or, or I'm Irish, so I've got a hot temper or whatever that is, you know, or, or just, you know, I come from a long line of, of broken marriages or I, I come from a long line of cheaters or liars or it's just the way it is. It's the way it's always been in my family. It's the way it's always going to be. Can I tell you that's not how God sees you? Can I tell you that's not what God has for you? And your joy has been stolen or taken away because you're buying into an identity that is not the one God gave you because you haven't learned how to unload or release that sin. And until you do, you're not going to experience the joy that God has. For some of us, we're frustrated because we, we, we can experience momentary happiness, but we're not experiencing the fullness of joy that God has put inside of us because we haven't learned how to release or offload the things that we've been involved in and the guilt and the shame and the things, activities that we have no business you need to know that God has a different version of you. See, I can remember in that moment sitting there, my dad, one of the last things my dad said to me, I'll, I'll remember forever. My dad said to me, I know this is what you did, but I know that's not who you are. Changed my life forever. I mean, not that I didn't make mistakes into the future, and I, I certainly did, but that stuck with me forever. That, in those moments, that's not who I am. That's not who God created to me. No, devil, that's not who I am. No, I made a bad choice, but that's not who I am. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to turn from that. Forgive me, God. Listen. And if I could say this, and I know, I know I'm, not, I'm not your dad, and, and, and even, but even though some of you are older than me, I, kind of the spiritual leader, spiritual father here, can I tell you, God would say to you today, he knows what you did, but that's not who you are. That's not who you are. So don't let the... Don't let this sin steal your identity. It's also robbing you of joy. My point is, we cannot be guilty and happy at the same time. And that's part of our struggle. In order for us to really experience the joy that God has, we got to learn how to get rid of the guilt and the shame. The reason why some of you aren't experiencing joy is because you haven't dealt with the sin in your life. So what do we do? Let's, how do we figure that out? Let me just tell you the key to getting your joy back is wrapped up in a word that really our world today, society today, thinks is a bad word, has a bad connotation, a bad meaning to it. But in the Bible, it's one of the most positive words there is. And it's simply this one word. And this word is repent. And that's, it's not the word that it's been made to be. Like, right? You need to repent, you vile sinner, right? You need to turn or burn because you're going to hell, you sinner. Repent right now. And we've had, unfortunately, people in my profession or people that call themselves Christians just use that word improperly. 
Now it's become bad now. Can I tell you, it's one of the most beautiful, freeing words there is in scripture. And in fact, let me just tell you, let, let me show it to you. I'm, illustrations, we see it, it makes more sense. It lasts with us longer. Hey, here's literally what the word repent means. I'm going in this direction. Now all of a sudden I'm turning around going this way. Did I, did I do that too fast? Should I do that again? Because that, that was really good. Listen, it just means to turn around. <laughs> starting to lose my joy. Starting to lose my joy. Help me out. It just means to turn around. It means to turn around. It simply means to turn around. Okay, you're going this way, so turn around and go this way. Make a decision every day. Make a daily choice to turn around and go back towards God. Acts 3, 19 through 20 says this. Here it is right here. Repent. Here's the definition. And turn to God. Repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. That burden may be lifted. You unload those things that are weighing you down so that times of refreshing and joy may come from the Lord. Come on, somebody. Turn around and unload that. You want, you want the joy of the Lord despite your circumstances and maybe today you need to repent and turn and give that back to God. Give up to God. Times of refreshing and that he may send the Messiah. Times of refreshing times of refreshing. We can't control our circumstances, but we can control what's going on on the inside. Times of refreshing come and only come in one place in the presence of God. Psalms 32, one through two, New Living Translation says this, oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven. There's joy then whose sin is put out of sight. Verse two, yes, what joy for those who record uh, the Lord, whose record, sorry, the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Oh, what joy. Come on, there's joy there. I love that. We need to learn the art of repenting daily. So let's talk about for just a minute and a few minutes I have left. Let's talk about repenting and, and to do that and how repenting leads to joy. But Let's look at one of the most famous passages in Psalms, in the Bible, in Psalms, find it in Psalms, about repentance, and it was written by King David. And it was right after King David had committed adultery and then had Bathsheba's husband murdered, covered it up. And so he writes an entire psalm on repentance. And David asks God to do four things. Psalms 51. You can read the chapter in its entirety. I'd mark it and go back to it. Psalms 51, verse 2. Here's what it says. Wash away, God, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. In other words, David daily had to choose to put to death his old sin nature. I don't know about you, but I'm the guy every morning I get up. I, first thing I do, I get up and I take a shower. And it's almost like, this is the picture I see here. And it's like, see here, wash I'm getting up today and I'm washing myself of my old day. I don't know what happened overnight. <laughs> The old man came back overnight and this morning I need to get up and wash off my old sin nature before I start my day, if you will. You know, wash off your old sin nature, if I could say it that way. And let me, let me illustrate by this. Uh, daily choose to put to death my old sin. I know who I am. I know how I am. I know my sin nature. I know me better than anybody other than God. And so I know when I get up in the morning what I need to choose and not choose. And for me, part of my, this may embarrass you, it's embarrassing to me. Part of my sin nature is I am a very angry driver. I don't know why. I don't know. I'm such a, I think I'm a very calm person normally. But I get behind the wheel. I don't know what happens. And I'm like, I'm, when I wake up in the morning, I'm saying, God, I'm going to get on I-35 today. And there's construction going to San Antonio. I know my sin nature. And that sounds funny, but I know my sin nature, God. <laughs> so, so my prayer might be, Lord, help me. 
that when someone's trying to get into my lane and I see their, I speed up, help me not to speed up and let them, not, not let them in, right? Come on, that's my nature. Lord, if someone's tailgating me, help me not to put on my brakes and slow down just to irritate them. It's like, and Lord, when someone tells me that I'm number one, Lord, help me not give a double right back to them, Lord. Help me keep my hands on the steering wheel, Father. And Lord, when I open my mouth, let blessing, not cursing come out, Father God. Let it be tongues in Jesus' name. I don't know. That's kind of funny, but I know my nature. You know your nature, right? I know when I go to the office today and see this one coworker, I know I have an appointment today with this one person. I know that I have a meeting today and I, I know that I, ha- come on, choose every day. Every day you choose to put to death your old sin nature. Wash away, David said, all my iniquity. And he's not talking about salvation. He's talking about after salvation. So if you're gonna get joy, you have to get guilt free. And let me say this about that because when he's talking about after salvation, you can, be in your, you can be in church your whole life and still carry guilt and shame around. Oh, you're saved and going to heaven, right? You can serve, you can sing, you can, uh, you can go on missions trips, whatever that, you can raise your, we already talked about, you can do all that and still be saved and going to heaven, but still carry the weight of your sin nature, of the mistakes that you've made and miss the joy that God has for you. So my natural man has some tendencies You know you, so begin your day by putting to death your tendencies and ask God for help. Let's take a look here. It's a daily thing. Let's take a look at Romans 8, 12 through 13, New Living Translation. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, Christians, people walking with the Lord, you have no obligation. Listen, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Come on, somebody. You have no, brothers and sisters in Christ, you have no obligation to the sin nature. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if you, through the power of the Spirit, put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. Come on, somebody. You're not obligated. You know why you're not obligated to your sinful nature anymore? Because Jesus took care of that. Jesus took care of all your sins. Jesus took care of all your past sins, all your present sins, and all your future sins. Amen? So you're not obligated to your sinful nature. And the power of the Holy Spirit helps you make those decisions so that you can live differently. He's already been paid for. Psalms 51.7. Psalms 51.7. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Cleanse me. Cleanse me is different than washing. We saw washing. Cleansing deals more with the work on the inside. Cleansing says to work on some stuff maybe that you've been carrying So number two, daily release my past and take another step towards freedom. Daily release my past. Let me say it this way. It doesn't even have to be bad things. It just is things that aren't good for you. It's just things that aren't you. It's things that aren't the best you you can be. You need to release those things. Work that out on the inside. So understand this. Real freedom, and let me tell you how to do that. Real freedom comes when you're involved involved with the help of another person. Okay, whoa, hold on a second. I don't know about that. Well, let me show you the scripture. Let's take a look here at James 5. Here's the system God set up to deal with those things. James 5, 16, message, paraphrase. Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. Come on, somebody. In other words, you need to get in a group. 
You want to know partly why we're making a shift to Wednesday night? We're getting our, all our students together on Wednesday night. We're offering more groups on Wednesday night because this is where a lot of your freedom comes from. You don't find freedom by yourself. You find forgiveness from God and you find the Bible says healing through others. Now, let me just give you something here. Listen, you build a relationship in a group where you build some trust, where you can share the things that you need to share. So that person can help you release that weight that's weighing you down and carrying. But right here, the system by which God created for you to be able to do that is through relationship through other people. I find forgiveness with God. I find healing with other people. Let me say it this way. Get in a group and do it. Don't do it on social media. Because <laughs> I'll block you. I don't want, I don't want to read all that. <laughs> Get in a group. It's better than social media. There you go. All right. All right. Here we go. So daily release my past and take another step towards my future. God's system of next level freedom. You're going to need another person to do that. Psalms 51.10 says this. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Give me a sense of destiny. Give me a sense of purpose, oh God. You have something greater. You have something more that I want to live and fulfill. Number three, daily pursue God's plan for your life. Daily pursue God's plan for your life. Every day, literally say, Lord, I'm going to make decisions today for you. I want your plan. I want to follow the good things and not the bad things. Ask God to search you and tell you if there's anything in your life that doesn't need to be there. This is where you say to God, today I want to be used by you. I want your plan in my life. And this is why the growth track is so important in next steps. You discover your purpose and how you're wired and how God made you in this will help give you direction to fulfill what God has for you. But listen, we all need to daily pursue God's plan for our life. That's where joy comes from. Romans 12, 2 says this, New Living Translation. Don't copy the behavior or pattern of this world and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect and better than you could ever come up with on your own. So you need, David says, create in me a right spirit. Help me follow your plan. Let me lay aside mine. David says that's, that's his pathway to repentance. I, I, I want to convince you of that today. Again, why you need to get in those things that we offer for you to find the best version of you. Find out how God made you and put it into action. On the other side of that is joy, is joy. Wash me, cleanse me, create in me. Psalms 51, 12 through 13, we gotta wrap this up. Verse 12 says this, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Now, now, now listen, you can leave 13 up there. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. What is the joy of his salvation? Okay, I'm glad you asked that because it says so right here in 13. Then I will teach transgressors. I will teach those far from you. I will teach those that don't know you. I will teach sinners. I will teach those that are stumbling and struggling your ways, God, so that sinners will turn back to you. You know what the joy of your salvation is? Helping somebody else release their sin. Helping somebody else find their God. The joy of your salvation. Some of you aren't experiencing the joy of your salvation because you're not helping anybody else find their salvation. You're not helping anybody else, fine. And basically it's just saying, make a difference in other people's lives. Make an impact. You know where real joy comes from? When you make an impact in somebody else's life for God. So that's why we're not just trying to fill holes here and serving. We're trying to help you do what God's created you to do. Therefore, you experience joy to the fullest. Don't take my word for it. 
Take the person who's, who's sang up here. Ask them. Ask the person who's watching your kid doing children's ministry. Ask the person who made coffee for you today. Ask the person who greeted you today. Ask the person, but be very careful and do it quickly, that park, help park your car. <laughs> Ask them out there. Where joy comes from, it's doing what they're doing to help you experience who God is in, their, in your life. That's where joy comes from. Some of us won't ever experience that because we're not serving. We're not making a difference with our life. We're not helping anybody else find God. The joy of my salvation. Do something with your life and help people find God. So the last point is this. Daily live a life that impacts others. You'll never know the joy of salvation until you're doing something with your life that impacts others' life. We live the best version of ourselves when we help other people find him. Amen. A life of joy. Psalm 1611. You will show me the path. I, I, I think what we just discovered here with Paul and then with David is a path. Wash me. Cleanse me. Create in me. Restore unto me. A path to life. And in your presence, that path to life that leads to God is where we find fullness of joy. Amen? It's found right there. Wash me. I want to know you. Cleanse me. I want to find freedom by connecting with others. Create in me. I want to discover my purpose for life. Restore to me the joy of salvation. I want to live my life that makes a difference for others. And I want this last statement to sink in with you. Joy is more than a feeling. It's a way of living. Amen. And every week we invite you into that way of life. It is your choice. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.